0: everyone and welcome to another episode of the Big At The Back podcast. This is season 2, episode 24. He's nailed it! I nailed it! I, I knew I was going to get it right one of these days. Um, I am joined by Matthew Higgins. Matt, how are you?
1: I am very well, thanks. You know what, as you started doing the intro, I was like, he hasn't asked me what episode number it is. This is going to be interesting. Uh, but yeah, you smashed it. Good start. We're off to a flyer. Uh, but yeah, it's Monday evening, uh, another weekend in the books, one game left to go in this game week. It's been good so far. Um, so let's hope that continues.
0: I, I'm not sure. I, I don't feel as elated as I necessarily should. So I, I guess we can get to that. Um, just in terms of what we're going to cover in terms of today's pod, though, so some really key questions. So, first, Should we be happy with the Rashford triple captain so far? Is it worth trebling up on City for the upcoming double game week? Is Haaland an auto captain now for the double game week and for the rest of the season? What do we do with Manchester United assets moving forward? Which assets are highly owned and most likely to be rotated in fantasy Premier League? Quite a lot to cover and there's going to be an awful lot of debate and discussion. So, I guess let's start with the week because we both triple captain Rashford this week. So, I think you tweeted that out earlier. I'm on 65 points and you're on 68. And I have three players left to play in Shaw, Martinez, and Rashford. How about yourself?
1: Same with me with the three to play uh, Shaw, Rashford, and Veghorst is my third. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't as badly. Uh, hampered by the Man United concession late in the game because obviously you lost two clean sheets through that. I only lost the one, Um, but my boy Val doing nothing for me. Um, The only potential saving grace is that it looks like he might be playing again on Wednesday because there was no Martial uh, in the squad on Saturday. So we'll see what happens there. But I think overall, it's a fairly decent week. I think we're both well above average as it stands. So I don't think we can complain too much, but you seem to be less thrilled with how things have gone.
0: Yeah. I'm just, I guess the frustration is that there was such an easily avoidable cock up from Casemiro that lost Manu the clean sheets, both Shaw and Martinez were on for bonus points alongside Rashford. So I would, that would have changed it from a good week to a great week. Cause that's, probably about 10 points down where I feel like I could have been. Um, I didn't take any hits, so I'm not sure I should be complaining that much. And Rashford triple captain is an interesting concept, because at the moment we're one game down and he's got one goal, one assist and two bonus points. So far, Do you, I think it's fair to say we can probably consider it a successful triple captain, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, I would take that from the two games. So he's got that from one. I'm very happy with that. The I think as long as he doesn't go and get sent off on Wednesday or something like that, I think we can all sort of breathe a sigh of relief. It, I did read something this week which sort of puts it into perspective when it comes to triple captaincy. Out of 38 weeks of a season, it's essentially having one extra player. Like it, yeah. it should mean so little in the grand scheme of things, but... And it's probably not worth the amount of time and effort and thought that goes into it when you compare it to things like transfers and wild cards and free hits and things like that, because that's where the big points can be won. But it just feels so much bigger than that.
0: It's, you can get an extra player of your choosing for an extra game of your choosing. And it can really, really make or break a season for you. Last season, we had Salah, Game week 29, getting 28 points on this triple captaincy. We had KDB getting 30 points when a lot of people triple captained him at 36. In previous seasons, there have been some really, really massive scores and swings in that triple captaincy trip. On the other hand, for three or four years ago, or four, I think it was, Leroy Sane in the best form of his life. Pep was playing him every game, so I triple captained him. He was on the bench, came on the 89th minute, got one point, then before the second game, transferred to Bayern Munich. One point for a triple captain from Leroy Sane. I also, there was a season, I think one or two before that, where it was like Salah on the form of his life, Trent in the form of his life, Mane in the form of his life, on a double game week, very, very easy games. I went for triple captain Mane, and Mane got injured in the first eight minutes or something, whereas Salah and Trent both got 20 plus points. So I feel like I've been burned enough by the triple captaincy trip. Uh, What's your history with it?
1: Uh, Hit and miss. I think I had Salah as well last season. I definitely had, I was burnt by Sane before like you were. It does feel nice when it comes off. It's just like, yeah, it's a real weight off your shoulder because everyone, like we say, is this big thing that everyone builds up as a huge can be a turning point in people's seasons, really. So, I yeah, I'm very relieved. Um, I don't like I say, I don't think it's as important as it's made out to be, but it is very nice when it does come off. Um, especially when it's game one in a double and it's already paid off, and now he's got to go into a second game against the now managerless League United side, which will be an interesting one because sometimes you see a bit of. An improvement under a caretaker manager, but it will be very interesting to see how that second game goes on Wednesday night. I personally think the way Leeds have been defending lately, their performances in general have been pretty poor, but he could, you'd like to think he bags at least another goal.
0: You'd certainly hope so. I'm really, really disappointed that that Marsh is having to leave before we could get the whole crowd singing, stop crying, yank Lampard. That would have been spectacular, and it's the nickname has just come out. So he's been fired right before that nickname was sung all around the stadium. I'm gutted, um, but yeah, that, that's my perspective on these. But I think the triple captaincy is objectively a success. And just to use a comparison point, loads of people use it on Harland and Game Week Twenty. You've got eight points. Rashford's already on. I think it's twelve. Twelve. Rashford, yeah, there's six to one, Rashford, brilliant. Um, Quick mess <laughs> yeah. Rashford's already on twelve, so that's already success for both of us using triple captaincy. Without you know, he's going to get. Let's say he bottoms out and he gets two points against Leeds. That's still a total of forty-two points for a triple captain. That is absolutely awesome. So I'm very happy with that decision right now.
1: Yeah, I think. Well, like I say, unless he gets a red card, we're we're quids in on the triple captaincy chip. Uh I did want just want to mention actually as well that one thing with I didn't mention with my team score for this week. Uh with John Stones not playing, uh I'm due to Mitchell to come off the bench with zero points. So <laughs> yeah. buzzing for that.
0: Yeah, all of my players have been absolutely shocking this week, apart from Marcus Rashford, which is a bit of a Oh and Kepper, of course. Um no, a, you yeah, finally
1: picked the right keeper
0: finally yeah not wards on two points with my bench um but still got short and martinez and rashford still to play so still positive around that yeah i think that's partly why i'm a bit bummed out i don't have another player that's done very well martinelli one odegaard two harlem two de bruyne bench one darwin nunez one or two sorry so it just feels a bit samey and frustrating
1: I think, I think the that... only difference for me is having Kane in there picking mm. up that goal yesterday but yeah it's similar to me. Trippier 2, Almoron 2, KDB 1, Martinelli 1, Veghorst 1, Haaland 2. It's just a very over like obviously when you the triple currency comes off it can make a big big change when you look at the average for the week is 37 like that is quite low so and and also like you said both of us not taking any hits. I've I haven't taken any transfers so I've bank that one so it feels like overall i'm a real net positive this week um overall rank now just just over 1.1 million so i'm more green arrows so i'm heading in the right direction i'm hoping in the next couple of weeks i can finally break into that top 1 million and get my season back on track
0: yeah i'm overall ranked about 700k at the moment so again it's not bad but it's not anywhere near where i really want to be um let's talk then about Manchester City, because it feels like it's just Pep against the Worlds at the moment. Yeah. He fell out with Cancelo. He seems to be falling out with all of his players. He De Bruyne was not vested. They haven't played a game for a week. De Bruyne was rotated because he was out of form. And, oh, my God, they looked worse without him in this scene. I, I think it was raised on another podcast uh, that I listened to earlier. But Man City... Feel like a team very much in transition. Like if you look at their squad, it's you could say it's the same as Liverpool, but without the injuries. It's the same players that have brought them so much success, but these players are essentially over the hill a little bit. Harlan's brilliance has made up for what's been a very very poor year for them, in the same way that Darwin Nunez is not. Ealing Haaland. If those were swaps, we'd probably be saying very different things about City and about Liverpool. Um, but I think they are looking really, really poor and they're struggling at the moment. I I'm not sure I want a third City player for the double, which feels kind of crazy to say. What's your take on it? I don't
1: know. I feel like I have to have three for the double. Um purely because I'm on three at the moment, one of them being John Stones, who needs to come out. So it feels like I'd be stupid not to change him for another city defender when they double. So in theory, he they've got a higher ceiling than any other defender that I could possibly bring in. So I feel like it would be a complete waste not to. Yes, they are probably going to, almost certainly going to blank in 28. So it would be a short-term switch. But... I feel like I'm in a good enough position with the rest of my squad to navigate 25 and 28 by taking that one transfer because the rest of the weeks I can make up for it. So, and the fixtures after this double are good as well. Forest, uh, Forest and Bournemouth for their next two after the double, so they are tasty fixtures. I mean, I know Pep's outpepped himself <laughs> by benching KDB, and like you say, they looked awful. But uh, like the other thing as well to think of is like. The centre-halves. We've all said about Kanji being great, but bringing Ake a centre-half and they had Diaz and Laporte on the bench. I mean, what was the thinking behind that?
0: Yeah, I have no idea. Laporte has been one of the best centre-backs in the league. Diaz, like for many years, Diaz, like God knows, after that first season, Pep just kind of went, you've been amazing for me. I don't want you anymore. Goodbye. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Um, So I think... And when you look at Man City... I can't think of a player from their size that I would necessarily want to bring in. Would you, on a hit, lose Luke Shaw for a Manchester City defender?
1: No, at this rate, no. It just Shaw's Mr. Consistent at the moment, really. Him and Trippier are, the, I think, the two first defenders anyone should have in their teams at the moment.
0: Yeah. I have that scenario because I've gone already because of price changes Martinelli to Saka um, so that was my free transfer um, so at the moment I'm in a situation of do I ditch Shaw or Martinez and get a Manchester City defender in so it would be an Eke or a Kanju. now I'm thinking if they had one game which was Aston Villa at home I'd say that's probably not worth it. And the other game is a way to Arsenal. So I'm really thinking it's not worth doing. In the midfield, I'm not dropping Saka and Odegaard. I'm not going to drop KDB. I'm not going to drop Rashford. And I'm not going to drop Andreas. If anything, I feel bad for not starting Andreas. In fact, I might start Andreas over Darwin Nunez Elias this week. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that's TBC. Darwin has Everton at home. Which, oh, God knows. Um, Dice
1: ball, mate. Dice ball.
0: Bashful indeed, but Darwin Nunez is like the perfect counter because he is just chaos embodied um, but it's all very very tricky at the point at the moment and I'm just I think there's no options that are currently making me want to consider Pep Roulette because they're not winning consistently
1: yeah that's the problem with them at the moment I think it all depends on your situation like with you it's probably not worth it because you'd have to take a hit, mm-hmm. and then you're already on the back foot. Despite the double, one mm-hmm. of them is Arsenal, who have been like last week last weekend excluded. Very impressive. They've done work, with, performed well against City as well. Um, so. But in my instance, it makes sense for me to bring someone in. So it's it really is horses for courses. You know your team. You know what you need. So if you feel like you're going to benefit... And like fantasy football is a game of risks and chances and difficult decisions. Mm. Everyone's got their own opinions. If you feel like City are going to do well in this double, they're going to maybe come back fighting and back with a bang. Because they need to now. They, they could have closed the gap to Arsenal at the top, and they've absolutely fucked it. So they need to come out firing. and Maybe Pep's going to stick a rocket up their arse and send them out in these next two games and they'll come out all guns blazing and yeah. blast Villa away 5-0. You never know.
0: It'll be very interesting to watch, but I, I think for me, I'm not going to take a hit to bring one of them in Is my thinking at the moment, even though they've got a double. Um, let's talk then more specifically about Erling Haaland because another blank, don't be wrong, he has got a hat-trick like a week ago, <laughs> but he's blanked in three of his last four, I think it is he's, he? I think we may have jumped the gun by saying just always captain Haaland, we're so used to Mo Salah over the past two years, just being the automatic captain that I think there is alternatives for Erling Haaland moving forward my perspective though is you're nuts not to captain him in, in 23, um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, if you don't captain him this week, you really have to get your head checked out. It's Harland in. Like, if you had Harland against Villa at home, you'd probably say he's a captain anyway. Bearing in mind, Villa have just conceded four to Leicester, yeah, who haven't exactly been free scoring this season. So, if like you, you probably maybe argue Rashford against Leeds. Haaland against Villa, they're similar sort of fixtures, you'd probably be having that debate but the fact that he then has an extra 90 minutes to score more goals, it's an absolute no-brainer and then you're probably keeping it on him for the two weeks after that as well because you've got Forest and Bournemouth um, and there's no one else really that you'd I'd probably consider captaining Kane against West Ham to be honest with you just because I'm a unlike you who refused to play Kepa against Liverpool I would captain Kane against West Ham because one he always scores against us and two it would sort of numb the pain a little bit when he inevitably bags a brace
0: I actually think Kane is a brilliant captain for game week 26 because Manchester City play against Newcastle and Spurs play against Wolves so I think there's a very good chance next week I actually take a hit and go move Darwin over to Kane, even though it will be a, I've got you for four weeks, then I have to move you out. I think it'll be really worth it. Um, that's my thought process at the moment. So, I don't
1: know what you're talking about, mate. Spurs have wolves. They've got big Craig Dawson. As, as you found out, as a Liverpool fan
0: this weekend. I mean, the less said about Liverpool, the better at the moment. Absolute shambles. We, we weren't even... Okay, so... Uh, To our credit, unlike Brighton, we looked like the better team for most of the game, but Wolves just played it perfectly. Completely took us by surprise, hit us on the counter, targeted Joel Matip, who was terrible. Why are we talking about Liverpool? Let's not talk about Liverpool. The thing is,
1: as as Jurgen Klopp said, it was only 2-0 because their third goal didn't count.
0: (laughs) It didn't count. I mean, (laughs) what he was saying is, it's the first time the ball crossed the line, but what he actually said was... We didn't concede. It doesn't really count. Which is like, <laughs> okay, Trump. Like, calm down. Um, back to the question, though. Erling Haaland. Do you think we jumped the gun? Is he an automatic captain choice until game week twenty eight?
1: For me, well, maybe not until twenty eight, because, like you say, that Newcastle game could be very tricky. And um,
0: could be a bit.
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'd I'd still back him at Palace. But then again, City have like a weirdly shit record against Palace. Um yeah, so and Spurs like, have
0: Forest at home. So Kane
1: Let me see how have City played Palace yet this season. Uh, yes, they won 4-2. So
0: he hardly get a hat-trick at that. He probably did, didn't he?
1: Probably. I'll find out. <laughs>
0: um but yeah I think from my perspective, Erling Haaland is still a great captaincy option, but not an automatic captain. And I think we we can open the captaincy conversation up a little bit moving forward.
1: Yeah, probably. I think the emergence of Rashford has really yeah, Haaland did score a hat-trick against Palace. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 62nd, 70th and 81st minute. It was a very quick hat-trick as well. Um, yes. But yeah, I think like with Rash- the emergence of Rashford, he's always going to have that sort of... You're going to have that debate internally, whether it's Rashford or Haaland, or even if you've got Kane, he's always going to be in the conversation because he's just missed a consistent this season, really. Um, but then you've got the question around United blanking in 25 and 28. So, Rashford, does he feature into your long-term plans and United assets in general? I don't know what your plans are with all your United assets.
0: Um, so, Rashford, for me, is a hold. I'm keeping him. He's His next games are Leeds away and Leicester at home, two very leaky sides. Um, and then game week 26, they've got Liverpool. Like I mean, if there's ever a game Rashford's going to score a lot of goals, in, then it's Southampton. So 28 is when I'd probably move Rashford out, but not before that. So I'm going to hold him over the break. Other United assets, interesting though, So I'll probably look to ditch both uh, Shaw and Martinez by 28. Shaw, I think, will make way next week um, because he'll free up some money. Martinez, I'll probably hold on for an extra couple of weeks or so. Um, but the plan is to get Darwin Nunez up to Kane, which means I'll probably have to take Shaw down to maybe a Rico Lewis for 3.9, potentially. Um, but that that feels like a bit of a wait-and-see kind of moment.
1: Yeah, I think I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Veghorst is the one that's got to come out for me um, probably this week. As I've got two free transfers, it makes sense to, to do that, along with the Stones one, potentially. But I want to get rid of on as well, because he's his form's bottomed out now. Yeah. But yeah, Rashford is definitely the one that stays through throughout all of this period um, as we go through these both of these doubles. Um, like we've both said, deadheading that team into 28, he's probably the one you're going to be keeping him around afterwards anyway. Even if, because if we're looking at free hitting 20, uh, sorry, wild in 29 or 30, then That's... yeah. So if you're keeping him for 29, then it makes sense that he'd be one of your your survivors throughout all this blank period. Uh, so he's definitely staying around for me. Question for you. Is it about time that they updated the fixture difficulty rating? Because Liverpool away is still a five. and That is not a five at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That should be a one. Like, yeah. <laughs> even like Nottingham Forest at home is rated as a two. Like, Liverpool away should be a one <laughs> as far as I'm concerned at the moment.
1: We I are... don't know why they have the one because no, nothing ever goes down as a one. I'm pretty sure Derby in 06 when they like didn't get a point for like months on end that wouldn't have even gone down as a one
0: what's quite interesting is i think it's uh quite weird to see at the beginning of the season united were the easiest team to play against in the division and you could argue liverpool were the toughest and that was the first half of the season second half of the season that's just swapped around um it's really really interesting to see how those two clubs one is perceived to be on the up and one is perceived to be on the down I'm not sure it's fair, given the amount of spends from both of them, but I just find it interesting. I don't understand, though, how Liverpool's midfielders have become so dreadful when six months ago we were almost winning every single title. It makes no sense.
1: You love to see it, though.
0: No, you don't.
1: (laughs) Trust me, you do. It's fantastic. When when we were chatting on Saturday, uh, I was watching the United game. You were obviously watching... Um, the Liverpool game and just getting the updates from you is your slow descent into madness and you're like I need to just stop watching this and watch United instead
0: yeah I was like I've got rational triple captain and I I did I took a 15 minute break from Liverpool turned on United then was like what am I doing I, I'm a Liverpool fan like, I need to be watching Liverpool so I turned back to the torture and then Wolves scored their third
1: <laughs> it's, oh, it's hilarious I'm going to be honest with you it makes a nice change to Be the one that, even though we are like still in a relegation scrap, we've unbeaten in three now in all competitions. We're flying.
0: I I think it's a long way to go. And your next two are Chelsea at home and Tottenham away. So I wouldn't put you down as winning the next two. Um, Oh, no. On FPL, there are some players that are just rotation risks and highly owned players. I think they're worth talking about. The obvious one being Martinelli, who is in a bit of a rubbish run of form. Now, Trossard came on against Everton and was awful, but he was dreadful. However, so I think Martinelli does start the, the two in the double, sorry. However, I think there's a very good chance he comes off at 55, 60 minutes in one or both of those games. So I think that's why for me, he's out of the team. I want a player that's going to play for Arsenal. And I don't think Marcinelli is that guy at the moment.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he's the most likely of the the three Arsenal midfielders to be rotated. It wouldn't surprise me if he starts one and Trossard starts the other. So it's, I'm in that similar boat at the moment where I do want him out. I know you've you've taken that, you've done it early doors and gone to Saka. Uh, I want to get Erdegaard in for him because I feel like he's probably the least of the rotation risk because he plays more central whereas Saka... Um, Martinelli and Trossard all tend to play wider. So I think he's probably, and he's captain, which also you have to take into account. So he's probably the most unlikely to be rotated. Not that it's impossible, of course. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm in this sort of situation at the moment where there's a few things I want to tinker with, but it's it's we've got to be looking longer term than just the next few weeks at the moment. So um that's sort of my risk at the moment and then the odd like obviously similar we can say about any city asset at the moment as well i know you were sort of toying with the idea of maras or Grealish, or now even kdb is not safe so i just don't know where we stand with with these city assets
0: yeah i that's why i don't want to bring a third in for the double i just don't trust it at all um hold on i was thinking though If I've got Shaw now and next week I'm planning to go Shaw and Darwin to Lewis and Kane, would it not be worth me going to Shaw to Lewis this week as Lewis has the double? I've just had that thought in terms of my... I mean,
1: yeah, it probably does because either way you'd have to be taking a hit, right?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to take the minus four anyway and I want to free up the funds to get Kane in next week. So... I think I will do that. But anyway, back to what you said. I totally agree. We have the City discussion. Uh, Jack Grealish, since the break, has got three assists and a goal. Not awful,
1: but he was probably City's brightest attacking spark at Spurs as well. Yeah, for me, he played
0: well, he he was he kind of frustrated figure, but he played well. Um, so I I always feel like if, as soon as you get Murrays in. Pep's going to turn and he's not going to start. If you're Phil Foden, are you looking to leave at the moment? Because if you're not playing games and you're Phil Foden's age and as good as he is, I'm looking to leave to get regular first-team football.
1: It'll be interesting to see what happens in this double. Uh, Apparently, he was ill, so that was why he didn't play at the weekend. Um, so you would like to think you'd get some minutes at some point over these next two games, but yeah, this is the risk you run when you're at a team like City. Obviously, they're always looking to improve their squad, which makes sense. They're always going to be spending big money, um, and they have a wealth of talent in those similar sort of attacking positions, um, even when the likes like when you look at the likes of the players that have left over the last few years, they just have like a never ending conveyor belt. Then they bring in youngsters as well. Like if you look at people like Cole Palmer as well, who sort of played a few games here and there, there's always someone waiting to take your place. So you're just one injury or one lack of form away from being dropped out of the side for a considerable period of time. So all these players have to consider these things when dick times to times like contract renewal and transfer windows. But the, the thing is when you're looking at a player like Foden, Who's going to be able to afford him?
0: It depends. How long has he got in his contracts? I'm not sure. I have
1: no idea, to be honest with you. Um, But like the clubs that could afford him, um, I mean, Chelsea are throwing money at everyone at the moment. But as of the summer, they're not going to be able to use their tactic of long contracts. So surely Um... that can't be sustainable. And we haven't even mentioned the big news with City today that who knows what's going to be happening (laughs) with potential financial penalties and points deductions and things like that. Um, That will be an interesting thing to see how that plays out over the next few weeks and months.
0: I think that's a red herring. Um, Phil Foden contracted till summer 2027, so there's no way he's going anywhere. Um, But I, I think that's a red herring and they'll be found not guilty and nothing will happen. And also, it feels like they're like 10 years too late with this, right? Don't get me wrong, City have spent ridiculous amounts of money many years in a row but now at the moment chelsea are the biggest like spenders and biggest take piss takers with the rules man you have been doing it for many many years i i don't think city are the right target for this um so that being said don't get me wrong they deserve anything coming to them but i think they'll be found not guilty
1: it's one of those interesting things. Like, It's it's basically an open secret that everyone does. Um, but I think City take it to another level with their sponsorship deals and things like that because it's sponsorship from companies that are owned by the same people that own the club. It's all very um, Juventus-y, but not to quite the same extent because like, I think it was when Juventus signed Ronaldo, it was like Jeep, um, who were their shirt sponsors at the time, were owned by the same people that owned the club. Um, so they just injected a load of new like sponsorship in the club to cover the signing of Ronaldo. Like, it's so blatant. that, But they, they did, the football authorities are so weak and just bend over to it. So it, I don't see it changing anytime soon unless they really have to make an example of someone. I know in Italy it's happening with Juventus because they've got their 15-point deduction. But over here there's been very little. Um, and it just goes to show when Italians are actually doing something about it, it must be serious.
0: Yeah, I I remember Chelsea got a transfer ban. That's probably what's going to happen with City. Um, so I don't think a points deduction is going to be on the cards. Um, back to players though, I think another one we're missing out on is Nketiah. So if you're looking at bringing Arsenal players in for the double, I'd actually if you unless you're planning on wildcarding in between now and game week 28 or so, I'd actually probably avoid Nketiah. Gabriel Jesus is back in training. I think next two or three weeks is going to be fine. He's going to be starting. But after that, I think he loses his spot to Gabriel Jesus. If you're looking at Nketiah, I would say it's not worth bringing in now. Because it's just booking in a transfer for three weeks' time. And with squads being rotated, with people getting injured all over the place at the moment, I feel like it's only a matter of time before Nketiah's moves out again.
1: It's, it's a really tough one with Enketia because he's someone I've been looking at. But Like you say, you are sort of booking that transfer in for a few weeks' time. But obviously, Arsenal don't blank in 25. They don't blank in 28. So you know that that's the teaser. Like, you know that they're going to be playing these games every week.
0: Gabriel Jesus will probably be back by 25, 26. So I think that's not... I think you're much better off going for the Arsenal midfielders. Um, So Saka and Odegaard, I've got. Ben White, I've got. Zinchenko's a really good option, actually. Um, he's been out for a long of the season, but let's not forget how good he's been when he's been playing. I think he's probably the pick of the Arsenal defence. Um, but yeah, that I think Nketiah is one. I wouldn't move heaven and earth, or I just wouldn't recommend bringing in at the moment.
1: Um oh, can't wait to bring him in and watch him rack up the points. He's going to score a hat-trick
0: now, isn't he, against Brentford? Um,
1: Hopefully. Let's see, uh, because that's what... I, I, he's one I'm seriously considering... As my veg horse to replacement for the next couple of weeks, at least, and then just hope Jesus has an injury setback. <laughs> <laughs> bit harsh,
0: We're a little bit harsh, a little bit over the top. We could say we wish Gabriel Jesus gets better soon because we don't want to see City win the league.
1: Oh, you keep saying this. I'm not sure. Can they both <laughs> lose?
0: Uh, I'm. I mean. The alternative is Manchester United come ra- riling up and winning and No one wants that. <laughs> I'd Twitter, almost
1: rather prefer that.
0: Twitter will be uninhabitable for the next it year. It is
1: already. That's what Twitter is. It's a cesspool. Always has been, always will be. It
0: will be even more uninhabitable if Manchester <laughs> United win the league. Uh, absolutely no way. Um So I think Nketiah is definitely one that you want to be avoiding at the moment. Um, Have you got any others that are kind of highly owned that you feel like are traps?
1: Not necessarily highly owned, but another thing to consider with Man United is Jadon Sancho is now back in contention. Uh, I know a lot of people have been sort of flirting with Anthony. Um, So it's just something to consider But if Sancho can come back and find some sort of form, which I hope he does do because obviously he's gone through a fairly tough time since signing. Um, But I feel like if there's an environment where he can now get some game time and get some form behind him in a Man United side that are playing well, that are getting results, and it seems to have a real feel-good factor around that club at the moment, uh, he's someone that could come back into that side because Anthony hasn't exactly been pulling up trees, has he? No, I
0: mean, we know my opinion on Anthony. Um, He does spin around
1: really well, though.
0: All he does is spin around go on one foot and fall over like that's his entire play style. Um, but not quite as bad as Chelsea's new signing Ruderick, who <laughs> is basically an armatrire from Chernobyl. like that that's that's what their new signing is. Um, just all pace, no capability um and they've spent hundred million on him. So he's Anthony Tuwito
1: that's that's a big shout um, he yeah he the thing is he looked good when he came on in his debut against Liverpool
0: one looks good against Liverpool at the moment
1: But that's the point isn't it that's that's the real kicker there so uh, yeah he was poor got hooked at halftime uh, on Friday night so I, I mean Chelsea they're obviously a side in transition they've made so many sign-ins it's gonna take a little while for them to gel Um Breaking transfer records every day. Enzo Fernandez coming in for very big money. Um, I don't know. I'm still I'm still quite interested to see what Jao Felix does when he comes back from the suspension mm-hmm. because, like we said last week, he looked good on his debut until that red card. So mm. they the, the thing is they just still haven't got a recognizable striker. Have they? They've still got Kai Havertz playing as a as a striker, which just is not going to work out for you. I mean it's it's weird because they've obviously done the Lukaku thing twice now and it hasn't worked out, but. Surely they need someone of that ilk, like a traditional striker, someone that can just put the ball in the back of the net because they really lack that at the moment.
0: Like a uh, Darwin Nunez kind of time. Yes. Wonderful. Um, Mikel look-
1: Antonio. <laughs> Sorry,
0: Jesus Christ. Um, looking quite far into the future, I'm just trying to look at nice runs of form between, say, game week 30 and game week 35 or so.
1: Do, do you know what? This is, this is going to be an interesting shout here. After this week, or maybe even before this week, Everton defence. So I called it on the pod last week.
0: Oh. I called they, it on the pod last week. They had a new manager Sorry, we'll disagree here. They had a new manager bounce. I mean, they play Liverpool, so that's going to be 0-0 or 1-0 Everton. Yes, they'll keep a clean sheet in the next game. After that, though, I can't see it.
1: Leeds at home, Villa at home, Forest away, Brentford at home. I reckon they keep two clean sheets in those four games.
0: I reckon they keep zero, but they keep one against Liverpool.
1: (laughs) That would actually be pretty peak. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, who'd have thought all it took for Everton to win was to bring in an ex-Burnley manager, and then the goal was scored by an ex-Burnley player and assisted by an ex-Burnley player. Burnley 2.0, it's happening. Get Tarkovsky in. You're going to reap the rewards. I'm calling it now.
0: To be fair, getting the ever, getting any job after Frank Lampard is just the manager's dream because you had like this agent of chaos that doesn't know what he's doing with no plan and just a big ego, and then you come in as an actual competent manager. I mean, Tuchel a, went and won the Champions League, <laughs> so Sean Dyche has probably seen that opportunity and gone right. There's no way I could do worse than the last guy, so regardless Everton are going to be better and I actually think Everton are going to be safe Um, Southampton are going down this year aren't they what is it is it seven losses in a row now yeah and they got absolutely thumped 3-0 like their goalkeeper lost 3-0 and didn't make a single save which was quite impressive like he, you've spoken about as a goalkeeper watching him previously and he's genuinely horrendous uh Bazunu, I think his
1: name is. Yeah, Gavin Bizzunu. Signed from City in the summer um, as like this sort of youth dryer that they're bringing through and they've, brought, they've signed a few young players, but it's just not working out for them. He's made some real howlers this season. Um, I don't get me wrong, I don't think there's much he could have done about any of Southampton's goals here, but I just think as a club, obviously the managerial change has done them no favours. just getting it's actually nine defeats in a row.
0: Did you see the interview, the post-match interview from uh, the manager?
1: I did not know.
0: <laughs> Genuinely, it, we're that, fucked. It was one of the best I've ever seen. Like everyone watching this knows that this is not my team. I've been nice with these players. I need to stop being nice with these players. I am statistically the best manager in the world at pressing football. I am statistically the best manager in the world at keeping clean. It was a. It was hilarious. It was sounds it was like an old
1: school Rafa Bonitas Rafa facts.
0: <laughs> it was very. Piers Morgany or Donald Trumpy, um, God, ge- genuinely a work of art. The guy's obviously bought into himself hard without any of the actual capability to back it up.
1: For someone that's done a good job at Luton for a couple of years,
0: exactly. Um, I mean, his CV is almost as good as Frank Lampard's, so we know his Premier League quality.
1: <laughs> no, I don't know. He probably he actually improved Luton. Frank Lampard didn't really improve any of the clubs he. Managed.
0: What what are you talking about? You took Derby from sixth to sixth. Exactly. You took Chelsea from that mighty that horrible fourth to that mighty fourth.
1: One team that it's not exactly sneaking under the radar here, but good fixtures is Arsenal. And I know like they and bear in mind they don't blank in twenty five, they don't blank in twenty eight, they double this week. And yeah. then their fixtures after that is Villa, Leicester, Bournemouth, Fulham, Palace, Leeds, like is is now like We've said about the teams we're going to be looking to invest in as we head into 28, but you've got to be tripling up on Arsenal now, haven't you?
0: You absolutely have to be tripled up on Arsenal. Um, I think, for me, Martinelli is an avoid and Ketty is an avoid. But if you're looking at their assets, defensively, you can pick any of them. I think Zinchenko is probably the best one if you can afford him. Going forwards, I think Saka and Odegaard are the ones to go for.
1: Is Zinchenko a rotation risk, though?
0: Who would he rotate with?
1: Well, you've had Tomiyasu coming in. Like, it, it, I, I feel like, I mean, I, I may yes, be completely making this up, but I feel like he hasn't right. played a lot of ninety minutes.
0: Um, Zinchenko is not a rotation risk. Ben White maybe is, but he's been starting every game. So Ben White on the right hand side. Um, Zinchenko's competition is Kieran Tierney, who hasn't started a single prem- or who hasn't started a single Premier League game that Zinchenko has been fit for so Arteta's been using the same 11 essentially throughout and so he's been very lucky that none of them got injured like it's one of those seasons where no one seems to get injured at Arsenal apart from Gabriel Jesus but they had great cover for him and then Katia so as long as that continues I think Zinchenko's fine
1: yeah fair enough I, I thought it was a little bit more I was just looking he's played 90, 90 85, 90 mm. uh, and then before that he was. I think he was coming back from injury So yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's been pretty, pretty yeah. consistently selected now.
0: Well, he has, but he's often subbed off um, before the sixty-minute mark. Um, I say often. If he's subbed off, he has been known to get pulled before sixty, and it's cost me a couple of clean sheets. Um, so I think Ben White is more of a rotation risk because Tommy Asu plays on that side as well.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a, he got fifty-nine against Brighton, but they didn't keep That's clean sheet it. there anyway. Uh, 45 against United, Uh, played 84 at the weekend, but he's fairly consistently above the 70... around the 70-minute mark, maybe. So, yeah, I feel like either or you could probably be fairly safe with them. Um, Obviously, the other options are Saliba and Gabriel as well, but um, they're the more expensive two.
0: If you're looking at one of them, though, Saliba or Gabriel, I think you're going for Gabriel, right?
1: I mean, for... Bant's sake I'm saying Saliba but
0: he scored a couple of goals at the start of the season but they were like strikers goals they weren't defender goals if you look at Arsenal and corners and stuff Gabriel's clearly more involved
1: well overall Saliba has five more points so the difference is negligible and Gabriel is 0.1 cheaper so they're much of a muchness for me pick one out of a hat
0: yeah fair enough um Excellent. Well, that's all of the key questions for this week wrapped up. Uh, from my side, I'm not sure if I'm going to make that transfer for Lewis or not. What are your thoughts on the week ahead for the double? Captain KDB?
1: Absolutely not. Um, it's Captain Harland all the way for me. Um, currently looking at, so my 11 will be Kepa in goal a back three of Shaw, Trippier and whoever I bring in to replace Stones, whether that be an Arsenal defender, whether that be Rico Lewis to free up some funds, I'm not sure yet, Um, but I'm going to wait a little while before we do that. It will be a midfield four of Martinelli, Kevin De Bruyne, Marcus Rashford and Andreas Pereira. And then front three of Haaland, Kane and... Veghorst replacement, whoever that may be. Um, I am thinking in Ketia purely because of these little run they've got here, but we'll see what happens there. I could, I'll be tinkering between now and the deadline. But overall, I'm pretty, pretty happy with how we look. I've got a million in the bank, two free transfers. So I feel like I'm in a fairly strong position. Um, and I'm hunting you down, Tom.
0: I mean, you're getting closer. Um, I just looked as well. I can't do um, sure, and. Uh, darwin nunez to kane and lewis so back to the drawing board no transfers for me this week Apart how short sure are you on that one a, like a million or 0.7 or something so i'm not close So nowhere near nowhere near unfortunately
1: so what's your lineup looking like going into the weekend
0: Well, so going into the weekend, I'm probably not going to make any more transfers. So it's Kepa and Goal, then Trippier, White and Shaw at the back. Then across the middle, it's Saka, Rashford, KDB and Odegaard. Up top, it's Mitrovic, Darwin and Haaland has the captaincy armband on. Andreas is my first sub. I was considering starting him over Darwin. But then you very clearly pointed out to me that Nottingham Forest have more points in the Premier League in 2023 than any other side. So they are the form team in the Premier League at the moment. What a world. Yeah, it
1: sickens me. It absolutely sickens me. Worth saying Keelon Navas had a fantastic debut yesterday. Um made a few very good saves to to keep the clean sheet there. So I mean I don't know how much he is, but if you're wildcarding, could he be a second keeper option?
0: I don't know. I'm not I can't imagine he's cheaper than Danny Ward. Let's have a look. Um, so, Kielor, no, nah, he's 4.5. Could be a Kepa replacement, perhaps. But why, why would you take Kepa out at the moment? That That's crazy.
1: Because they're about to play West Ham, so he ain't keeping a clean sheet there, is he? Back yourself.
0: Play Wards. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, because they're playing Spurs. Um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> and as um, I said, I'm not stupid like you. I am going to put the players in that are playing my team.
0: One shout-out as well for our man or oh, my guy on this podcast he is my boy Kalichi Ian Nacho one goal two assists he was the answer it wasn't Bencourse it was Ian Nacho and I'm at some point definitely going to own him this season I don't know when it's going to happen
1: it will be like game week 38 when it just as like a oh, one off why not why not hit what was it was it four managers triple captained in this week
0: yeah four absolute heroes I'm legends out.
1: of the game
0: um, most captain player this week as well was Erling Haaland, which is kind of bonkers um, so you imagine a lot of people have set and forget and just left it on him um,
1: yeah it's got to be some dead teams there surely
0: you'd think so but then Haaland is normally a great pick against anyone um, but yeah Ian nacho with more points than anyone this week with 15 so keep your eye on him because he is the one to watch for the rest of the season That's all from us, folks. Have a great rest of the week. You can find us on Twitter at Big at the Back.
1: Yeah, you can find me at Higgins92. Tom is at Madden 92 As always, you can find me on the Pretty Bubbles podcast as well if you want to hear more thoughts on all things West Ham because things are looking slightly better at the moment. Um, Who would have thought a couple of weeks ago that David Moyes would have outlasted two Premier League managers Um, potentially a third as well you never know another one could be going soon so yeah um, thanks again for listening guys and we will catch you all next week